Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Take two on a Friday. This is May 28th. Uh, we have to admit before this podcast, we've already done a podcast you probably would like to listen to. <laughs> of all just the juicy good. topics we wanted to talk about that don't belong on air. So I'm sorry you missed out on that. <laughs> That's right. But welcome, Mara Carabello, Greg Hughes. It is good to be here. I'm Heidi Hatch. If you're just joining us for the first time, we talk politics. Mostly local, sometimes national, really whatever we want. I'm to the talk reasonable about. one. If you if you haven't listened <laughs> before, I'm the Clearly. one. I'm the I'm the truth bomb. I it will become evident bombs. soon yes. how reasonable it is. You true. Are. Although um, Mara has already um, <laughs> said that Greg has to control himself on at least one topic. You yeah, can she's always she's is. always holding me back. She just yeah. holds me back I have all the, the yellow time. Yellow card ready. Yeah. I know we're going to start national today. So um, we've been talking about the January sixth riot commission going on for the last few days, and ten Republicans have to make it. Um, so it can happen. Senator Mitt Romney earlier this week said, I'm a go. Uh, Republicans have been saying in the House and the Senate for weeks now, you know, this isn't going to be fair. The way it was going to be split is that Republicans and Democrats would both get the same amount of people on the commission, but maybe the leadership would all be Democrat. And then a lot of Republicans were like, this is not going to be fair. I'm going to start with you, Greg. Yeah. Should we be investigating the January 6th riot to get to the bottom and the heart of what happened, why it happened, and make sure it doesn't happen again. Uh, there's a couple, couple issues here. One, uh, this commission for this this incident on January 6th at the Capitol, uh, it, it may it may deserve uh, particular scrutiny. But we have riots that have happened, uh, destruction that's happened to federal buildings, government buildings. We've had uh, issues that we're going to talk about later in this podcast of of fl- what I would argue are flat out misrepresentation to the public at large. Uh, of certain facts, fact checkers saying things that were not factual at all. There's so much going on in America right now. Um, I think there is real and deserved cynicism that this one commission of all the things that's happening in the United States right now is the one thing that we should be spending political capital and time on. And then you get the structure of this. And when you have Senator Schumer saying, are you on the side of the insurrectionists or are you on the side of the commission? You are hearing rhetoric from the Democrats right now where they already know where they're taking this. They know exactly the narratives they want to create. This isn't a you know, let, the, let the facts guide us as to where we'll, we'll go or what we will conclude. There is, uh, I think, again, high cynicism uh, and deserved about if this is genuine. And I think that, uh, it, again, looking back, the Democrats, I think, would love to just keep Trump as the foil for all things at all times. It's, okay. it's their greatest argument and so that's what they would like to do. I think it's time to, if we're not going to look at the other things that have made 2020 what it was and, you know, what we're dealing with now, if we're not going to look at those things, let's move forward and let's let's make Congress do some work for a change. Okay, so I buried the lead before Mara gets a chance. I wanted to see what you had to say before we talked about the vote. They actually yeah. um, voted a couple hours ago. Republicans blocked the effort. Only four um, Republicans joined Democrats. Six, they needed six more. They didn't get it. So it's not going to happen. Does it concern you at all that this isn't going to be investigated now? Not, not at all. I, I Again, just as I said that, 
I, I think they need to move on. We, we have a Congress that just does not work. It does not, it doesn't hold committee hearings. It, they don't vet bills and amend and push things to the floor of their respective bodies in the House and Senate for, for full-fledged debate and votes. If you look at state le legislatures and you see the work going on, you wouldn't see a single day of that type of work happening in Washington, D.C. So this is political pageantry. Uh, it's meant to, it's clickbait, it's whatever you want to call it. But people Let's came in work. with zip ties. Yeah, you know, the, the other part about this is, too, remember, this is property that the government owns, if you will. I mean, too much to the chagrin of the Washington, D.C. people. And and so we do have some things to learn. I'm going to move it a little out of the partisan yeah. realm you've kept it in. And, and I mean, <laughs> like, I... I, I I, I'm think not the one that put I, it in the partisan realm. Pretty, I think it's been born in the realm. I think it's pretty realm. shocking that anyone wouldn't want to uh, investigate uh, people forcing their way into the U.S. Capitol. And and I and I point taken on your cynicism, but just the act itself stands alone as something worth investigating. And I do think we have some correctional behavior about jurisdictional authority, and I do think with the way that the discourse is going, there's a lot that can be learned about management and administration at a minimum. I mean, I'm being yeah. sort of a little technical about it, but I think it's just unconscionable. It does speak to what you're saying about Congress not working it's unconscionable that in the United States, we have angry people. I'm going out of my way to not yeah. call them mobs or insurrectionists. Right. We have angry people that force their way into the U.S. Capitol. It's phenomenal to me that we don't want to investigate that as a criminal activity. Mara, I, think you're, I think the thoughtful way, and I believe you mean every word of it, that you would like to see answers to and, and see what happened there or how it happened. I, I don't disagree with you. I don't think that this idea has been born in an environment with where what you've just said you'd like to know ever has a chance of actually being vetted that way. I think it is political from beginning to end. And I would say, look, we, we're, we're coming up on, a, on an anniversary of a, of a riot uh, here in Salt Lake City. How did that happen? What happened when the multiple jurisdictions came uh, to try and defend property and people down here and how those uh, law enforcement officers were injured in that, in that incident? We can keep doing that. I mean, we can go look at what were the causes and how do we let those things... So you're, do you so you're suggesting when any public action like that, we just go, ah, you know what, no, it was what I, it was. No, no, no. I'm we, saying we have nothing we to learn handed. from this. No, no, I think we should be even-handed about it. I, again, it's, it goes back to this... We talk well, about this every week. you're suggesting that none of Selective these other logic, events are being, being prosecuted. Not. Well, no, no, sure no they're not they prosecuted. Are. I'm saying sure you're are. not seeing the big commissions and you're not seeing the... The, the anti, you know, the BLM or Antifa riots. So you're riots suggesting that, are, that Salt Lake City should have held a commission, a tribunal. Mara, Salt Lake City handled had, that in the way that they we were had dictated. The Capitol PD. Hill Autonomous Zones. We had CHAZ, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zones in metropolitan areas in this country where the people that massed together said no law applies. People died inside these areas. Uh, we we don't put a lot of attention towards that. But, and what I'm saying is, I'm not saying, a, you know, two rights make a wrong. What I'm just trying to say is, it always feels like selective logic, selective outrage, selective process. And I just, and I, and where it's coming from in terms of Schumer and Pelosi, I don't trust that an honest Greg, review of any of this will ever happen. Non-participation just keeps the chasm. I agree. No, I, I agree with you, but by not participating, by taking your marbles home and refusing to nah. engage in anything you don't agree with is exactly what Tell I'm suggesting created the done, environment. You, you just, just do, they need to just do some they work and stop this. They should definitely do some work, but I wish somebody would get to the bottom of a few different things, and I don't know how they're going to do it without a commission. 
I think there's a lot of questions about the people who came to the Capitol. You know, what were their intentions? I want to know what Nancy Pelosi knew when she did. Why were the Capitol Police not more prepared? Why was the FBI or the CIA or whoever is giving them information not realizing and watching social media to know that they should be more prepared? I think there's all these little pieces of the puzzle that somehow should have been doing their job and didn't because we say we live in the most powerful country in the world, and yet all of a sudden we're like, Oh, how did this happen? And, and, and the format for that discussion just abdicated the responsibility no, it's, it's of having the, it's that discussion. It's the lack of any belief that what, what Heidi just mentioned would actually be If they don't explored. believe that they're in a body that is it is productive, then they should leave Washington, D.C. No, we, we saw this if with the impeachment hearings. If they believe that hearings. their job is not no, no, worth their time they, of day, they, this is they should experience. go home. The impeachment hearings, the, the inability of home. Republicans to be able to weigh in and, and subpoena witnesses for that, they, they were denied that opportunity. We've watched these so-called hearings and investigative processes in Capitol Hill go on. So you believe it's acceptable it has been an that if you have that level of cynicism, fronts. you can just be, at that point, no, obstructionist, I'm I'm s- and you can play and you take your marbles and go home. So if not, I don't totally not, believe. Because so you're looking, I'm left of center in the great state of Utah, <laughs> and I still really? play ball me? with you kids. <laughs> I still show up every day. I have and all I the still, confidence in the world that Mark Carabello, Craig Hughes, and Heidi Hatch could get to the bottom of this, and I would support that effort. Okay. I would support the effort of the three of us looking into this. I think all information would be on the table, and I would support that 100%. That clown show going on out there... You can have it. It's it's all pageantry. None of it is substance. Well, the good You'll news never get for me is that three that you three want. out of the five delegates from Utah agree with my point of view that we could address this and we should address this. That was a lot. Okay, let's bring it back home because uh, Greg brought up the fact that we were at the one year anniversary of the Salt Lake City riots. Have we learned anything? Has anything changed? Is there something we should have learned? When I look back at the riots and a couple stories I did, I was concerned on different levels about. Um, what the mayor asked people to do, uh, what she asked the police to do, what the police were in charge of or not in charge of, because we keep hearing stories about the police who said they were supposed to stand back and let things burn or um, let things get broken later at another riot at the DA's office where the DA, Sim Gill, says he made calls um, both to the chief of police and also to the mayor saying, you know, where's my help? And there was no answer. So we've got those issues going on. And then on the opposite side, we have Black Lives Matter who've asked for changes. They've gone to the city council and said, we really want to see some change happening. Uh, We're going to start at the zero budget and build back up. We did an investigation here at Channel 2 that shows they really haven't done that, but in a year they'll start doing it. So has anything changed? Have we learned anything, Mara? So I'll answer both sides. I'm going to spend more time on the second part. But to the side of how did uh, Salt Lake and Salt Lake PD do during the middle of the riots, they did very poorly, and they didn't even use best practices. And we were not out of control in Salt Lake, and because of how we approached it from a policing point of view, it escalated, and it did make some bad actors really have some runway there that they frankly shouldn't have had. And there was property destruction, and it was unacceptable. And I think that that was about the leadership. And, and and to ask them to answer the second part of the question about what change happened from it. If that's the riot, let's yeah. talk about the police reform part of it. And I would just say that I've been really disappointed that Salt Lake has not taken on the task of reimagining policing. And from my seat, they've gone with political salve. They've gone with things, I mean... <laughs> Bless the mural, but like that is, I, if, I, if, if I were, on, I am on the side of justice. If you handed me a mural, I would be like, that's, a, that's not a conversation. That's an opener. We have incredible, we have incredible examples like Berkeley and Ithaca who are entirely reimagining policing. What we did 
is double down on the tactics that we have been using for years. And here's one thing about these tactics. So these tactics are education. These tactics are, um, you know, police sensitivity trainings, use of force things. Those are all good. It's not that I think they're good. I just don't think they're revolutionary. It's more of the same. And do I think they help? Do I think the world is better with police being trained? I do. But if you're looking for change, you have to change what's being asked. So an example, Ithaca right now is really just, they're not anti-cop. They're just reimagining their police. And they're saying things like, should we do traffic stops? Let's explore what the police should and shouldn't be doing. What we did is to say, okay, we're going to use beanbag bullets. Well, beanbag bullets have been around for 20 or 30 years. All the Salt Lake PD did is buy their 2021 version of them. This isn't new at all. Ruben Ortega, and I'm, I'm doubting anyone listening knows who Ruben Ortega is, but that's the point of this. Ruben Ortega was the first person in Salt Lake to hire somebody to do racial sensitivity training. Mm. So I think these things are good. I just don't think they're change agents. And I think I think we've been political salve. I think it's all been politics. And I don't think we've even attempted to really change the system that isn't working. So Have you seen change? Uh, for the worse. Uh, so there was, a ri- there was a protest that began. Uh, it started to get violent. Uh, the, the political message or the message from the mayor handed down is don't interrupt, don't stay back. Right. Uh, they lost control of the city. Right. Uh, and people and property were destroyed or people were harmed. When it became apparent that it had gotten very, very dangerous, uh, multiple jurisdictions, and including the National Guard, were called to try and re- try to restore uh, public safety and, and to the city. And uh, in that effort of this multi-jurisdictional uh, you know, response and with the National Guard, uh, they stood there and were told they, they had to be still. They had to maybe pr- they, they stood in a line, and they, were, they had rocks and things thrown at them at point-blank range, and you had officers and members of the National Guard that were injured in stitches and things like that. But it even got worse uh, because the day after, that was a Saturday, on Sunday, uh, Mayor Mendenhall came out with a statement that said, if anyone in Salt Lake City observed any misconduct by any of the the law enforcement officers from any of the jurisdictions or the National Guard to please contact her office, that left those that had responded trying to help Salt Lake City restore public safety feeling pretty burned by that. Now let's fast forward a year. Salt Lake City is down 90 police officers right now. Crime is up. It's a lot. If and I'll tell you what, you can have all the all the all the training and sensitivity and I'm not opposed to any of it. But if at the end of the day somebody who has to go to work and make a living and provide for their family doesn't feel that they have the support of the jurisdiction they are working for or that they are it, it's already an inherently dangerous profession, but they are especially put at risk. That is why you are 90 officers down, and that is not going to make Salt Lake City a stronger, safer community where businesses can grow, where people can go and you know, shop and eat and, and, and enjoy the, the capital city. I would say that on all fronts, uh, things are worse today than they were back in But May. I'll tell you, my pro-officer my pro officer message here is leadership at the Salt Lake Police Department is absolutely failing and where leadership and where leadership at the mayor's office is failing is she's felt free to go in and start running the police department so she needs to stop short of that there are a few jobs that you need to hire the right person to get the job done and when you feel like you're compensating for that person even though it's the right reflexes perhaps when the mayor is starting to make departmental decisions then then that's a failure on the mayor's part and 
we really are lacking leadership in Salt Lake because we don't have a population that you can't control. We actually don't have a culture of non-dialogue. We have the elements that would allow us to reimagine, be pro-police, which I think most people in the city are actually, and pro-change, which I think most people are. I think I think Utah and Salt Lake City is ready for a conversation of change. And I think it's one of those rare areas in which even, you know, Greg and I might be coming from different places, but we're landing in the exact same spot. Yeah. It's a rare area of overlap, and what we are lacking is leadership. And to put a bow on that, and I know we've taken this, seg- this, this topic too long, when Sim Gill is Democrat <laughs> county attorney, is livid about what's happening. And actually, I believe the reason you didn't see another riot of its kind ever again is because he was not going to tolerate the action. lawlessness. He took action. Yeah. Yeah. He took action that would not be taken by anyone else that in leadership, elected leadership, and I think that is the core reason why you didn't see that type of riot happen again. And so hats off to him. But when you have people of the same uh, political party that are on complete opposite sides of how to respond to a that's moment like that. That's your canary in the coal mine. That's when you know things are amiss. And so I, I, I do. I think that uh, I think there's consequences to actions. And I think we're, we're living through much of that right now. And, but I'm an optimist. I actually think things will get better. I do. I'm hoping, I'm hoping so. We're yeah. watching. We're watching very carefully. So we'll be watching what happens there. A uh, big change this week, literally in the last few days, where uh, President Biden has now said that he's open to the possibility and looking and investigating China as to how the COVID-19 or coronavirus started. Interestingly enough, when you look back to the last administration, there was talk, um, even some reports coming out from Homeland Security and others saying that, you know, there were... Um, pieces of the puzzle that looked like they probably should be looking deeper into the lab where it went. And at the time, Facebook banned, Greg is so excited to talk about this, Facebook banned all conversation um, about the origins of the virus unless you were saying that it came from a wet I would like to start this because then Craig can do his Trump was right dance at the end. (laughs) So I'm just going to say. So how did we get to this? I feel like I've got like whiplash as to what we're allowed to talk about this week. It is, but I'm going to start us off in a different place. We talk a lot about um, in public communications, which is what I do. We talk a lot about the message and the messenger. Absolutely. And credibility. And so this, I think all of us, whiplash was right. Like we got this wrong, whoever we are, right? Yes. But let's (laughs) talk about the messenger for just a minute. So this got started from my understanding a couple of weeks ago, 18 scientists wrote a letter to the science journal that said, we should really be looking at the lab people. Why aren't we looking at the lab? And they were insistent upon it. And since then, the Biden administration responded and suddenly people bandwagoning, who Greg will explain to us in a minute, we're not on this page. We're bandwagoning on this issue. And there was a lot of this, this uh, identification that clearly there was a mass group think um, at the beginning and maybe there shouldn't have been. And and so, um, and, and answering the question about why we care about it, because uh, besides the political theater, you have to say, well, does it matter? I think it matters because I think it could inform um, vaccines. I think it could inform lab procedures. And it certainly could help us with our conversations or um, penalties on China. So I think there's a reason to study it. But before then Greg goes off, I will say, here's my indictment. One of the reasons that it wasn't believed is the messenger wasn't credible. Because when Trump laid this out, Trump I know laid, you believe that. Trump I think laid you're this right. out. I think, that's your, I think that's the logic that but, was applied. You're but right. Trump laid this out, I believe. I'm going to now get Greg ready for his fight. 
Trump laid it out somewhat in racist terms or biased terms or or he said it was from China. I know, but well, he no, he was, it the China China he was calling it, it and China he was virus. implying that 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 was somehow that's wrong. I mean, from. that's where a lot of the stuff is coming from. So I will say, absolutely, we got this wrong. But it's the messenger too. I don't think he did service by not allowing. He's so good at political theater that I think um, there wasn't an allowance of the scientists who were saying at the time. Um, this might come from here. So, so absolutely, we got this wrong. But I will tell you, the messenger was a part of yeah, getting I know, this wrong. I will. I'm gonna. That's a beautiful way to end what you just said because I agree wow. that the media could they could not stand President Trump. No, and Trump any is words not that credible. Came out Greg. of his mouth, they, he they don't, is not credible. They, to to your point, people who lie aren't listen, credible. He wasn't lying. He wasn't lying. That look, anything that he said was was already taken with a jaundiced eye because for he the has a record of lying i will tell you this when you have china's a pretty big country i would argue uh when you have one lab wuhan lab of virology i keep laughing because it's it was from the date from day one to argue that a wet market which by the way i think is seafood well they don't know for sure to, to be clear no, no, let's not jump nobody, in for sure but we're I, just exploring oh, this so i don't still. get my response i just have to i i, I if sat only quiet the, world the whole were that time way. and you were even right, baiting okay, me fine. Okay, we're fine. listening so you have one lab that looks at coronaviruses and and studies this and everything about this coronavirus and and it's uh, as a contagion and and from animal to human all those things are being studied in this very facility in fact i think they have maybe two in that wuhan area there to say and of the whole country to say that this wet market which by the way like i said i think that's seafood that there was a two-for-one sale on bats that someone just went and ate and had, and all of a sudden this came from bats only, and to even suggest or look at a lab that studies viruses and and to say that your fact-checkers, which you would think the word fact meant, like, true, fact-checkers would say, if you mention that it could have escaped from the lab, even accidentally, it's fringe, it's it's false, it's, um, it's conspiracy theory, it, it, you were a kook if you would even suggest it, just to see the proximity of where they were saying it started with what kind of work is being done so close to that area to not have that open conversation was wrong. Here's and my problem. It's this not is just a the scientists, problem, though. Mara, though. They have intelligence that now we can talk about because an election's over that they had credible intelligence that people had been sick in November that were working inside but in that part, lab. Greg, you have to own that it's because we're believing the it, sources yeah, and they were Mara, not I'm presented. Saying that, I'm saying that that pending election was was coloring the, the, the media coverage of this. They even used China, communist China said, you know, this whole Wuhan lab, this is just uh, the Republicans and Trump trying to win an election. And the media quoted them like they were a credible source. When did the CCP become the credible the, source for journalism the media uh, in got America? It the media oh my got it gosh. wrong. The media and, got it I mean, wrong. CNN called it, it a comic book theory, a comic book story at one month, and now is saying, well, it looks like we got something we have to stare at right. over here. But you also have to acknowledge that when you don't act credibly, you lack credibility. And every I, once I, in a while, you're going to say something I know that everything's true. Trump's fault. I know everything's Trump's fault. It, it's a beautiful narrative for Democrats because yeah. you never, you're the never wrong. The victimization role just wrong. is old. You can, you can lie if to the public. If we take it out of the U.S., And though, manipulate I look the public, this, and it's always Trump's fault. And it's a worldwide pandemic. And whether it came from undercooked bats who were bled on by pigs and weird reptiles or whatever the wet markets are, which it could be, or whether it came from the Wuhan lab as um, 
on purpose where they were trying to use it as a weapon and it escaped or if it was accidental. There's like, a, I think there's a myriad of different things that could have happened. It bothers me that as the world and scientists who were looking at these problems didn't immediately demand that they get into China a year and a half ago and start investigating. It wasn't just the U.S. and I think it's become very political here. But I think scientists as a whole should have gone in there to China and said, we need in, we need to get this. Because, I mean, what are you going to get now a year and a half later? Maybe you'll get something, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, the whole yeah. world failed And let me it. just say this, too. It wasn't just Trump. Senator Tom Cotton was just raked over the coals for suggesting that there was a problem here and wanting to do what you've just said, Heidi, and that is get in there and understand. They had satellite, uh, you know, imagery of them blocking off that area or, you know, so interestingly enough, in 2019. I, what, what Heidi said is appealing to me because I, one thing is the U.S. wasn't actually on the front of that. The world was. The yeah. WHO was. And it is interesting that that I think that failure, I think, as you said, everyone failed. But on that failure is interesting failed. because Abysmally. Um, because I think what happened during that time was they were asking and China was like, well, what are you talking about? And we, for some reason, were like, okay. Okay, like, I know. I, why we weren't insistent we at that time. from China. And right, it's just that like, they why? answer those questions. It, yes. it was because they didn't want Trump to to, to have Greg, any excuse I know the sun for this rises pandemic. And sets no, by no, no. Trump, but, but I, he I, was I not the tip Senator of the steer Tom here. As well. right. I know Republicans. Anybody that would say that this was China's fault, that would take the blame squarely off the shoulders of Trump, which is what the Democrats and the media wanted at the time. They weren't going to consider. They would not consider Trump any kind of Trump wasn't as relevant as WHO was. It's all his fault. It, Trump wasn't as relevant. And My WHO, point is it didn't matter. we can matter. do a whole podcast yeah. on. I think they've got issues in and of themselves, too. And I think politics comes into play in all these it countries. Does. So I think it's a concern. I'm glad they're investigating. Before we move on, the other concern to me is that now that? Facebook is allowing people to post about it. And I think the problem with this is, and we've talked about it on other issues, whether it's vaccine side effects or you're talking about a Wuhan lab or whatever it is, it concerns me where the place that people come to discuss and ideas are there that some ideas can be shut down when the conversations probably should be happening. And if it's not this, what's going to happen next? So it bothers me that there's an allowance now where they're deciding, oh, okay, this is an okay conversation, but before it wasn't. I feel like conversations should be okay. We should be able to, as adults, dig through what's right, what's wrong, what's conspiracy, and really look at the facts. And it bothers me that... There's an on and off switch of when we can talk yeah. about things. It just is like, come the, on. The censorship is, I mean, here, you have a couple problems with it. They they enjoy federal uh, protections, these these social media platforms, against libel and slander suits because they have made the argument that we are a place for freedom of speech. This is where innovation, this is where ideas can be, can be in free competition with each other. So we shouldn't be held liable, uh, legally liable, for what's being said. At the same time, they're, they're making that case and enjoying the legal protections of it. They are censoring. But here, on the, just on the administration of that censorship, if you have, because I've watched this play out and I've seen people complain about it, if your site is shut down and you get this image that says your site's been closed because you had questionable, a questionable post, they don't let you click on to see what post it was that, that booted you off. Uh, you can request. You don't get an answer. Uh, if you take it, sounds it off, like you've been sharing naughty things. You know no, too much I, about this. Well, I, these groups are just like, <laughs> all, get ready, grab, clutch your pearls. They're conservative. They're right of center groups. But they, but they don't. Even if you take down what they, if you know what it is that they that they don't, they take exception to. Which is, by the way, it's the right of center commentary that they don't want to hear. Then they those th people. when they take when Facebook takes it off those people when Facebook takes it off or well when you take off what Facebook didn't like they don't put you back on. 
So it's like, I mean, it, or it, you don't know how to even get so to them to get, you can't even get anyone on the other line of a phone a huge or, a, or a text to say, hey, what's the rule now? I did what you told me to do. There's still, it's still, a, it's vacuous. It's, it's not clear. This is the problem of our time, but I want to point a couple of other factors. One is you are on a private platform and you agreed to those terms. So, so what I'm saying is if you as individual citizens, you can pressurize the system by pressurizing the private sector. And we often talk about regulating the private sector, but I would also just say, Facebook does to us what we allow Facebook to do to us. And if we all wanted to leave, we could leave. So some of that, and I'm not disagreeing with what was said, but I want to bring a couple of other dimensions because the other dimension that we know is that often conspiracy theories, which exist. So we're assuming the, if you make the assumption that everyone is a, the Wuhan lab was a conspiracy theory last week, a logical person who's trying to have a discourse, then there's no regard for trying to scrub it. But when you also understand that often these, there are conspiracy theories and you believe that Greg, and and that there are some bad actors. And when we do find that bots, 12 bots had been producing most of the bad acting in that instance, I want those 12 bots out because they're not real people and they're not doing real business. So the age old question of how do we make sure that all of us real people with real opinions that can be really diverse um, are protected. But at the same time, we do have to acknowledge that there is systems in place that are purposely spreading misinformation and divisiveness using these social platforms. And I do think it's the responsibility of those platforms so the degree to try that and they are exercising those. censorship does not match the, the, because like Putin had a bunch of bots that overturned, you know, they got Trump elected. That's a conspiracy theory. Uh, and I don't, and I don't, I don't believe that justifies taking the people, American people, off of these platforms. That when they're not those bots and they aren't, they aren't fake. Now the I'll tell you this: the amount when you say they're private companies, off. let me just say this: they enjoy, they only exist because they enjoy certain legal protections under the agreement or the case they made that they are going right. to let free, free Too speech big to fail. To, we did with then, Baby Bell. We what did happens? this with the railroads. We but, love but big Mara, things. You have only two, you have Amazon and Google that are the only two companies large enough now to handle the, the, the volume and the traffic of social media sites, okay? You, you can say, well, just pick a different site if you don't like where they're at. You don't have those options. And it would be akin to saying, if you don't like is a Bell problem. Telephone, Facebook just get Instagram rid of the phone. Yeah. Get no, rid of all the phones. I'm not you arguing that. I think this is a problem. Social media as I just communication think, now. I just think to a degree, the, you can't go anywhere else. I think the passion yeah. about not having your Republican friends. So, like, let's not act like this is Ma and Pa who post some things that people don't like. I mean, It is. It like, actually is. But I, I'm just saying I think there has to be some data analysis, which hasn't happened. We don't know the voting. Pl- I actually do completely agree that we need to restructure our statutory relationship with these social media yes. platforms. Yeah. They've, Thank you. they've grown Thank well you. beyond. But, like, Thank everyone you. agrees to that. No, they but don't. But I'm not going to emotionally they respond because you want Trump back. I don't no, think that's the logic. See, we back to Trump. I, you know, everything doesn't come back to Trump. You can use that as an example of what they didn't like, but they've gone far beyond this. I'm not even talking about Trump when I say what gets banned. I mean, one of those sites is a Facebook site. It's like a Utah Republican site, but it was, but they can't even figure out what it is they posted that, that shut that site down. And this is mom and pop stuff. This isn't large. This isn't Putin and his bots. This is, these are people from Utah. It really is. And it's not Trump. It has nothing to do with Trump. I swear 
It's it's right of center commentary that they don't like. It's Wuhan they, Labs. I know those Wuhan, people. If you said that the those Wuhan people, Lab Greg. was a source of this virus, uh, you got banned. You got it got erased until just well. That's recently. what started this discussion. I think yeah. that was egregious. When they bring them back online, it shows the egregiousness of the censorship. I'm not disagreeing so with this that. This is why we're talking about it. Facebook, you can, we can see you naughty, naughty. <laughs> Clean it up. We would leave, but we have nowhere else to go. Okay, so we don't have a lot of time to talk about oh, other issues. I was trying, trying to be succinct. I'm sorry. Pick my favorite one. Okay. Okay, I want to talk about Becky Edwards, who okay. announced to run for U.S. Senate. That'll uh, be a Senator quick Mike Lee is up for re-election in 2022, and that seemed yep. like a long time ago, like last year. But all of a sudden, it's next year. We have maybe nine-ish people who say they're going to run. Mara, uh, are we going to see that many people? And is this early for Becky to be getting in? It's early for Becky to be getting in. What's hard about a challenger race is you don't have many shots at getting anything wrong. You have to run just such a meticulous race and you have to sustain it. And you're doing all these calculations about how do I get people to know who I am? How do I get people to do what I'm doing? What we do know is the data is telling us that Mike Lee's vulnerable, but when incumbents are vulnerable, we shouldn't get too excited about that word. It just means there's a tiny little shot knocking them off, but you have to just hit you it's just it's a it's a great shot if you make it so I think it's true for people to hear that Mike Lee's vulnerable I think that is true but I think what happens is then you get a bunch of people going yeah that means he's vulnerable and that's not quite the same thing it just means he's not Teflon right and I think um it's ambitious. Now, remember, when you're a candidate right now, you're looking at June. You're not looking at November. When you're looking at the clock they're looking at, mm-hmm. they're looking at a June clock. So she looked and said, ah, year, I don't know, I've got to go. But what's really interesting about this is that somebody was ready with a mail piece that hit the, the same time attacking Becky's voting record and attacking. Um, and so that beca- made this kind of run-of-the-mill challenger going out early conversation into a, hmm, it, it's yeah. accompanied by a mail piece. So it, Rep- Representative uh, Edwards, I served with her in the, in the our state house, and uh, great, great lawmaker, and uh, this is the challenge. And I, I can speak more from experience having run an unsuccessful statewide campaign for governor, and uh, but I, I'd been involved in a lot of campaigns up until then. There's a lot of good data nowadays that you can you can get and in, in modeling how you want to run your race what it's going to cost you and i will tell you that that the burn rate of cash to run a statewide race uh, you either have to be wealthy enough that you're going to fund millions upon millions of dollars i would argue a three to five million dollar uh, budget is what it's going to take particularly against an incumbent you're going to need to be able to raise that amount of money and we know in federal races it's twenty eight hundred dollars a time per election cycle it's an incredibly difficult way to raise the kind of money you need statewide. And Utah is actually one of the cheaper states compared to other states. But you have a burn rate on cash when you begin. If you start at a zero or near zero name ID, you need some, you need to be able to move up and get let be, introduce yourself to the public. Yeah. If this, and this is where I was, I was pretty impressed that this, just from a political science or campaign elections, you know, just watching the process, not having a dog in the fight, just trying to be objective in it. I do have a dog in the fight. I want Mike Lee to win. But I'm saying that if I'm looking at this objectively, um, to start this early, unless there is a a boatload or a a king's ransom that you are prepared to personally put in yourself, I don't know how you make that splash and how you do that this early. The challenge, and I'm, I'm sure this is the data that compelled an earlier start, was if you let others define you when they didn't know anything about you, 
and the first impression is from someone else about who you are, it makes that it makes that ability to to make your case and get positive name ID even that much harder. So I believe it came from the challenger side of Mike Lee that this the, the first mailer attacking her and then forcing her to kind of come out of the gates earlier than than later because she had she did not want to be framed. She wants to frame who she is. But if someone's going to start putting those mailers out, it starts it starts that clock a lot earlier and then the burn rate on cash becomes incredibly difficult to maintain. I think that it it the if you look at who most benefits from uh, Representative Edwards coming out early, it's the other challengers. Because if you have our we have a plurality system. You can have a, a June primary with a lot of candidates. If you have multiple choices of, of challengers to choose from as a, as a voter instead of Mike Lee, it, it dilutes. It kind of waters everyone yes. down. And, then and that pl- makes Mike Lee stronger. So the, the ones that have the most to gain from trying to, to wound and maybe get a, a challenger out of the way is to go after them in May and get them to start their, start their clock and their burn rate on cash early and, and see them and see if they're even around to and pay for signatures in January. As Greg suggests in a plurality race, how you play your cards is almost more important than the cards you have. Yep. So, you know, you look at the cards being your agenda and your reputation and, and your profile and all of that. The order in which you play them and how you pace yourself. Um, and, and this is the part of politics that's really counterintuitive. One thing, particularly if you've come from local politics. Local yes. politics is totally different. We're only speaking at statewide races. You're hunched to get out there and knock every door. You're in a house district that you could sit down and almost talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, you start that as soon as you can, and you sit in front of everyone's kitchen table. But when you're looking at statewide, when you know you're going to virtually need to meet a lot of the voters you have to persuade, the order in which you play the cards, which will be as interesting as when people jump in this this swimming pool of the Are you allowed to say, do you have other people at your office looking for advice on whether they should run or not run <laughs> and do. when to get in? We have a few people in our Ooh. office. And, you know, there's really some credible challengers, again, leading to, I think there is a shot at Lee. I think it. I think it's a, it's a tough shot. I, I don't, but I, I think he is vulnerable. I would call it a low percentage shot. But if you don't play, if you don't walk that tightrope perfectly, the timing of when you start your race, when you try to build that momentum, if that isn't, if that, if you're not walking that tightrope and it is, it's, it's, it's a, it's a low percentage shot. You go from a low percentage shot if you miscalculate to a zero percentage shot. And I, and I'm telling you, uh, coming out early with no name ID and having to sustain that or build upon that, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's, it's a pretty, it was already a high hill to climb. And I just think it just got a lot higher for representative, former state representative uh, Becky Edwards. All right. We're going to be watching it closely. We have so many other topics, but they're going to have to wait until next week because we were so energized about the topics <laughs> we had today. Thanks so much for listening. Tell your friends us, about us and uh, rate us. But again, only if you like us. Thanks <laughs> for being here. And we'll be back in next Friday. Happy Memorial Day, everyone.